On today's episode of The Ramp Podcast, we welcome Marilee Bear. Marilee rose up the ranks at Akamai Technologies before taking on the role of Senior Vice President of North America Enterprise Sales at Zendesk. Marilee is inspirational, not only because of her outlook on sales and building sales teams, but also because of the way she carries herself both in and outside of the workplace. Marilee dives deep into how she treats people both on and outside of her team. And she shares with us a bit more about how asking questions, even when the answer seems obvious, has been one of the best ways for her to accelerate her career. I know you're going to love learning from Marilee, and I'm thrilled that she joined me to talk about her career. Let's jump into the episode. You're listening to The Ramped Podcast, a podcast connecting industry heavyweights with the next generation of talented professionals. We're on a mission to build transparency into the practical realities of your early career by exploring how the world's best did it themselves. Our guidance will help you discover and launch a successful career in sales, technology, finance, and many other industries. All right, everyone, we are back on the Ramped Podcast. Today, I have a special guest with us. It is Marilee Bear. Marilee, nice to have you. Thank you, Danny. It's great to be here. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, indeed. <laughs> it's almost summer. The weather's yeah. getting nicer. It's so all looking up. So before I jump into the five questions that we ask all our guests on all seasons of the Ramp Podcast, I want to know, and I'm sure the audience does too, who is Marilee Bear? Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, I'm Senior Vice President of Enterprise Sales North America here at Zendesk. Prior to Zendesk, I spent 13 years at Akamai uh, in a variety of different roles. It's really where I grew my career as a sales rep and then a frontline manager and a second line manager who took on, you know, varying levels of responsibility. So I'm a sales leader. I'm a mom to twin boys who are approaching second grade as of yesterday, the last day of school. They're very excited. I'm also a dog mom. I have two little rescue dogs. I'm an innovator. I'm a change agent. I'm a disruptor. I'm Enneagram two wings of three, if anyone is familiar with that model, which means I'm a helper, but I'm also a high achiever. On the helper part, I take a lot of pride and I have a passion for helping people be successful, both customers as well as the people on my team. And I'm a people connector. I love nothing more than making introductions and helping people you know, from radically different either areas or eras of my life, find each other and create value and concepts and ideas together. I'm also a mentor. I love mentoring women, especially younger or earlier in their career stage in sales. And I also am a firm believer in promoting from within. It's a concept that works really well for us at Akamai and I've brought forward to Zendesk as well. And as such, I really love both promoting and mentoring folks who are starting off as their first time in sales management. We have several here at Zendesk who started in January of this year, and I do I spend a lot of time making sure that they're successful. I'm also an active vocal ally to underrepresented groups, especially LBGTQ. I've supported lesbians who tech over the years, as well as the Black community. It's both something that I'm passionate about. And at, here at work, Zendesk has a, an incredible commitment to diversity and not only our total employee base, but also in the upper ranks of leadership here at Zendesk. And so I spend a lot of time there as well as within our school here in my community. 
I'm highly intuitive and I've been honing my more spiritual side over the years. I'm a certified yoga teacher and I'm also certified in Reiki, which is energetic body work for those who know it. And on the flip side of all that woo-woo, I'm also a, an adrenaline junkie who absolutely loves fast cars and F1. I was an F1 fan way before Drive to Survive came out on Netflix. I'm a Hamilton and Mercedes fan this year, although the car is not great. I still love the driver. And I'm also an ambervert. So this is something I learned over the years. I thought I was an extrovert. And what I've learned is I'm actually kind of a little bit of both. I'm just as happy being at a cocktail party as I, as I am sitting in the Redwoods by myself for the weekend. So that's a little bit about me. And, uh, you know, any questions, Danny, let me know. For sure. Well, love the intro, multifaceted and something that drew us to you in the first place, as we could tell from both our early conversations with you and your profile online, how much and impactful you've been in your career with folks. And it's great to hear some of those themes, which I'm sure we'll talk about when we get into the episode as well, that align really well with what we're doing over here at Ramped, democratizing access to both jobs and to learning and career discovery. So really excited to jump in. I would love to touch on that first question that we ask our guests. The first question is, what is the best investment an early career salesperson can do for themselves and why? Yeah, absolutely. When you're just starting off, you know, it's hard to really understand where to invest your time and what you should be focusing on. You know, for a lot of people in sales, they just want to get out of the gates and they want to make a lot of money. And that's why a lot of people are drawn to sales is that ability to overperform and kind of the sky's the limit once you hit accelerators. But I do not think that you can sustain success unless you lay the right foundation from the beginning. And for me, that education or that foundation is really about education. And so I like to say to people when they're starting out, you need to get an MBA. And I don't mean that you need to enroll in a, an executive part-time program or a full-time program and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. What I mean by that is you have to get really good at understanding business and not just the business of the company that you're working for and the product that you're selling. You need to understand your customers' businesses and what makes them unique. And the only way you can do that is if you have the confidence from understanding and knowing it on your own. And for everybody, that's different. If you're like me, you might have been too, you know, what I was back in the day when I was starting out, I was too embarrassed to ask because I felt like I went to school, I got a some, somewhat of a business degree. It's in hotel and restaurant management, which is totally random, but I did have business classes. You know, some of that sunk in, some of it didn't. And a lot of what you need to know, you learn from just immersing yourself. And you're immersing yourself, you know, as, as you get your list of accounts, for example, you know, going in and understanding which of your accounts are public, which are private companies. If they're public companies, then you've got a lot of information at your disposal to really understand, you know, what the company is driving for, what does success look like, how do, they how do they measure their business, and what are their challenges. And that's stuff you can find in 10Ks and 10Qs. Learning to read those, learning to read balance sheets early on will help you be more prepared to go have a discussion with the right level of people who actually make decisions in an organization. And right now, as we're moving into a time where, you know, we're going into a recession and the markets are you know, upside down right now. There's a lot of volatility. And what that means is the decisions that your customers are making about whether or not they're going to buy your products or whatever it is you're selling, those decisions move farther up the ladder, up the chain. It's now sitting, what may have been sitting with a VP two years ago when the market was on fire and money was to be, was easy. 
Now those decisions are going up to a CFO. Well, guess what? You need to have a conversation with the CFO. And when that CFO has an MBA from Stanford or Harvard, you know, and has been a heavy hitter in other companies, it can be really daunting to go have that conversation. Education is the key. And it's up to you to figure that out, whether it's an online class or finding a mentor, finding somebody who will sit down with you, an operations person who understands it, a parent, a parent's friend, you know, an adult friend who's been in business for a long time. Finding that person and, and really immersing yourself will give you the confidence to have those discussions because the number one problem that we have in sales today is people not being, our, our reps not being able to get to power so they can go have those executive level dialogues. Yeah, this is really, really solid advice. And you know, we obviously over here at Ramped are, are pretty particular about as well. It doesn't mean getting an MBA and learning about a business doesn't necessarily mean you have to shell out the dough to go get that degree. A lot of this information is readily available. It's on YouTube. It's on Udemy. There's way, way, almost an oversaturation of content. So it is really about figuring out what is important and how to access it. And a lot of times the how is it's free and there are resources online, there are resources through your internal networks, resources in your company that can just help you get that leg up. So love, love that you've shared all that. Moving on to the second question, and I'm getting the sense that this is probably going to be one that has impacted you as well over your career, but how has that view of sales changed over your career? And why do you think it's changed? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think my, you know, my thoughts on sales when I started out, and this is in the late 90s, is in order to be successful, you needed to be really hard charging, aggressive, have an edge, never let your guard down, don't be vulnerable, definitely don't ask questions unless like you feel, you know, without feeling like you could look stupid. I think that a lot has changed in that couple of things, you know, like the world has changed for sure. There's definitely more sensitivity. It's a different politically, it's a different political climate is what I'm saying. And because of that, I think it's actually better than it's ever been. It's still not perfect. And it, I don't think, I don't know if we'll ever get to perfect. I mean, there are always underlying forces of like sexism, racism, bigotry, all those things that, that come into play. But I think that the big thing for me that I learned over the years is you can be yourself and be successful. And being yourself doesn't have to look like a cookie cutter version of what you believe the ideal is in sales. You can use your own personality. You can bring your personality in. You can be a better listener and a better question asker than you are a presenter. I think that's one of the big things that I learned is I thought, you know, sales was all about like regurgitation and presentation of a deck and a pitch deck. Like, how's your pitch? Is your pitch on par? Can you pitch? What's the perfect pitch? And yes, pitching is absolutely important, but the more important thing is really listening and being able to ask the right questions and, and to process. And this is the hardest part is to get your brain oriented around processing in real time and being able to take what you're hearing and have that inform what you're continuing to ask your, your customer or prospect or whoever you're, you're in a dialogue with in a way that's creative and thoughtful, that uses intellectual curiosity. And that curiosity is because you really care about knowing more and understanding the full picture, not because you want to get just enough information so you can figure out what the hook is to sell them. So it's about that. It's about being naturally curious. And, you know, I think 
learning, you know, learning those things over the years has been really important for my own success as well as it's how I help to coach and mentor other people that we don't have to believe that sales is this old school kind of like, you know, aggressive profession. It's a lot more nuanced than that than it's ever been before. Yeah, that's really good insight. And it is, it has changed a ton, even, you know, in, in my career as well. I think what I've seen is a, a, a higher level of education for the buyer too. So folks can go find pretty much anything they want on your company, your product, what you offer, the good, the bad, the ugly pricing discussion, you know, ways to get even discounts and how to get discounts. So I think there's just an elevated buyer experience, but I think you're right too, of less about the like bravado of the salesperson or the, the stereotypical salesperson, more really thoughtful, understanding, value-driven uh, sales approach where you're acting like, I mean, this board gets thrown around a lot, but like more like a consultant, but really like somebody who sees, yeah, somebody who sees himself as there to help versus there to sell, you know, or there to cram a product down the throats of their, of their potential customer. So I think it's the, the vibe is completely changed. Yeah, it's, it's really changed. And you just brought up, you just jogged my memory on, you know, about really showing up with a point of view and becoming an expert in your industry. It's not about being an, an awesome salesperson, but the more you learn about your industry and can become an expert. You know, I have people on my team today who are known as retail experts. They're, they've been in the retail industry. They've been selling to retailers for years. They understand that business. They understand the people, you know, the who's who of the leaders in that business. And they understand the trends and how you know, macroeconomic currents affect the business and they can talk about that all day long. And we have the same with some financial services experts. I look at these people as experts, not salespeople. And when you get to that level, selling becomes almost like you're taking the hands off the wheel, you know, because it's just happening because you're the expert. People are flocking to you. They want to understand what you're doing. Your company is the expert in whatever industry. And it, it just becomes a lot more fun that way. Yeah, that's really true. Really, really true. And I think it's going to continue to evolve. I, I'm not sure what it's going to look like in 10 years or, you know, 20 years or what new software, or new tech is going to improve the sales experience. But one thing I am pretty certain of, if not 100% certain of, is people are going to be behind sales still. It's not like robots are going to be buying from robots. So we as salespeople, we as sellers will have to adapt and get more sophisticated. And I think it really is about how do you make a really deep and meaningful connection right off the bat versus there was a time where that was almost not important, right? How do you like build your build your company, build your team up with that pitch? So I'm, I'm curious on how it's going to play out as well. Yeah, I think the human element will always be there and it will always be additive to whatever else is in the background, you know, working automatically. But yeah, establishing that up front is important. I think at the end of the day, you know, the old saying is people buy from people. And I, I don't know if that will change in our generation. Hopefully not. But I think that we'll, humans will always be relevant in the sales cycle. Yep. Very much agree. Very much agree. Question number three, what is one mistake you made early in your career that shaped the way you operate today? Yeah. So one mistake I made was what I didn't do. So I had a long time ago, the first startup I worked for, the COO had this saying about when you identify the problem, run fast and hard directly at it. 
And I love that advice, but I didn't take it for whatever reason for this particular area, which was a challenge and it was a growth opportunity for me. And that's around operational rigor and control. You know, as a sales rep, nobody likes to forecast. Nobody likes to be in their, you know, Salesforce instance, updating Clary notes, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody likes that because everybody wants to be in front of customers selling and dealing with paperwork and so forth. I got away with it as a sales rep. I think I had great leadership in front of me and, you know, around me who kind of did the heavy lifting for, you know, some of the the operational aspects of the business. Um, when I became a frontline manager, it was harder to hide from it. At the time I had a manager who was very dynamic, one of the most incredible leaders I've ever worked for. He wasn't especially operational driven, driven, so he did not push me on it. I got to second line management. And that's when it became like, this is a non-negotiable. You absolutely need to understand the buying trend or the, you know, the sales trends. You need to understand your KPIs and what's up and down, you know, your deal sizes. To be able to run a, a you know, a consistent cadence with your, your team so they understand what's expected of them on each day in terms of forecasting and one-on-ones and so forth. So, you know, I had a manager who like threw me into the deep end of the pool, which was like the best thing that ever happened for me. I enrolled in a class at Berkeley and, you know, I, I really immersed myself in understanding business. I had a couple of operations people who took me under their wing and spent extra time with me. And, you know, the project I was given was to completely overhaul the way that Akamai forecasted, both the, the philosophy behind it, the sales stages, the tooling set. You know, we moved from spreadsheets to Anaplan. And, you know, it was like I was probably the least likely person to take this on because of my natural inclination. But being forced to do it really helped me, you know, sharpen a, an area of my own skill set that needed to be sharpened. And I think if I was to do something differently, I would have done that way before. I would have taken it more seriously as a frontline leader and as a, a sales rep. And, you know, despite whether or not my manager was pushing it on me, pushing on me about it, when you have that intuition and that gut feel that you should be doing something differently, then you probably need to listen. And so that, that's what I would do differently is I would push myself in an area that, you know, was uncomfortable and, and get there quickly. It's somewhat easy as a sales rep because you get consumed each day with customer questions, issues, you know, things coming out of left field that you didn't expect to have happen. And that's just the nature of the business. So it's really easy to get caught up in that. And then a week goes by and then the month goes by and then the quarter goes by. And then all of a sudden the year's gone by and you haven't, you haven't improved your game. You haven't dug in on those areas that really need to be cultivated. So that's what I would do differently. Yeah. Cool. That's really, really helpful. And you know, it's always, it's always kind of, it's kind of mandated right from top down when it's, when, when you're on the rep level, like, oh, get your Salesforce clean. Oh, get better at reporting. But you're right in calling out the real, when it really is exposed when you are your weak spots, if you have them, when you move into management and are forced to actually like answer the questions from a team or teams on reporting or drive towards success. Like you will know right away that you don't have that skill set because like you have no choice but to drive your team in the right direction. So you with that, do it, you, know, right. you just, you yeah, understand. You're, you're like, wow. <laughs> yes. Right away. So I'm, I'm glad you called that out. I'm curious to know, is that something that's just in you? Like, are you just that naturally curious that you wanted to take that next step? Or do you feel like others can 
who maybe aren't as curious about the reporting or the metrics, the analytics part of the sales process, like how did they level up? Or is it, you know, you just have to just do something and, and keep doing it. So I think what you need to do is you need to figure out the thing that you hate the most, that you hate doing and get to a point where it's at least tolerable. And then you may surprise yourself. Maybe you'll actually begin to like, or even love it. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. I think that's a super smart way to assess or like get better is figure out the stuff that just feels like insurmountable and just attack it piece by piece. It's not, you're not going to, you're not going to move mountains in one day. If you're weak in an area, like it's not, you're not going to turn into a pro the next day or the next week, but by just chipping away at it and assessing like, oh yeah, critically assessing like, this is an area I really do need to improve on if I want to take my game to the next level and just, just learn and try and fail, right? Like we all fail all the time in sales. So just do it, treat it like a, a, your own personal sales process, fail a bunch of times, learn from it, and then get better in the long run. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Question number four, who has had the greatest impact on your career? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think the the literal translation of this is like the mentors in my life. Absolutely. I've, I've definitely had my share of traditional mentors. And I mentioned some of those folks from Akamai, you know, Kali Smith, Tim McCarthy, who threw me in the deep end of the pool operationally, Jeff Torek, who taught me a lot about dynamicism and dynam dynamicism. Did I say that right? Dynamicism? Yeah. And being a really influential, aspirational leader. There's also Rick McConnell, who was formerly the president of Akamai and is now CEO of Dynatrace. Rick took me under his wing and gave me a lot of stretch assignments that really helped me grow into being a more innovative and creative leader, I would say. I think, though, what's really relevant at this point in my life and this point in my career is the mentorship I get from my peer group. And that's both peers within, you know, here at Zendesk as well as outside. So a couple to name. Allison Welch from Twilio, wonderful human being, um, incredible leader, all around good person. Jamie Buss, who's uh, now CRO from for Articulate. Jamie is a true operational powerhouse. I run ideas by her and I get a lot of insight. I love having her in my network. And then here at Zendesk, a couple of my peers, Kate Garcia, who's my counterpart in commercial. Kate's been a vet of Zendesk for, well, I think, 11 years now. And I've learned a lot from her about the CX space, which was not a space I knew coming from cloud security at Akamai, as well as Alex Ferreira, who's been a great friend here and definitely a mentor. And, you know, I, I think I also would call and say a lot of folks who have worked in my on my team over the years, I've learned from. And that's a variety of different things. You know, I, I always pick up little insights from people, their individual habits for success, whether it's like they have a specific angle on prospecting or you know, there are certain people here at Zendesk who are really great with creative deal structures, which has helped me. I think mentorship comes in a lot of places. The last thing I would say is my dad. My dad was, you know, he passed away about eight months ago, but he was my biggest supporter in my career and someone I loved to be able to, you know, bounce ideas off of and be an inspiration in some of the harder times because sales, it's not always up. There's, there's some down too. And having someone there to kind of catch your fall is a, is a really, uh, really important. Yeah, I, I mean, first and foremost, I, I, I'm so sorry about your loss. And you. uh, next, it really does feel like you have surrounded yourself with exceptional people who not only, you know, guide you, but has also kind of moved up with you, like a, in your career path, like 
as you have gotten promoted and work your way up in an organization, it sounds like they have too. So it's a really cool collection of thought, both, you know, folks you work alongside and it sounds like folks that, you know, maybe reported into you as, as guides and have had a, a really big impact on your career. So really, really cool. Yeah. You, you know, what's really, what's really great at this point, you know, there's so much transition right now and, and change in the air, you know, with the way the market is going and, you know, everything that's been going on in the world in the last couple of years, which it's pretty heavy. There's a lot. And so, you know, there are impacts to the business, there are impacts to, you know, our ability to create pipeline ability to convert, you know, I had, sometimes I have these specific challenges in the business and just having some of the folks I mentioned, you know, a text or a Slack away has been so helpful because you don't feel alone. Sometimes when you get to this level, you can feel alone and, you know, having this support system has been so key, especially as we've transitioned through, you know, COVID and going from an outside field facing sales team to hundred percent inside no more in-person meetings for a long time. We didn't have those to Zoom. All of the things that we've dealt with in the last couple of years, leading through change, you know, I find inspiration in a lot of different places. And I think it's important to be open to that. I, I know, you know, there can be a lot of ego in sales. I am a very low ego person. I don't feel, you know, at one point in my life, I was embarrassed to ask a lot of questions. Maybe I was afraid I'd, I'd look stupid or, you know, ill-informed. I don't feel that way anymore. I, I feel very comfortable asking questions and being the first to say, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that acronym means. I mean, how many times have you sat in a meeting and you've heard these acronyms and you're like, am I the only person who's not sure what this yeah, means? Yeah. I, I asked today, I asked, what's an EBR? I don't even know what that is. It was sitting in my, you know, my forecast notes and that one of my RVPs had put in and I said, what does that mean? She's like executive business review. I'm like, oh, I think of that as like an EBC, but okay, EBR, that's your thing. All right, great. Now we're all on the same page. You know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I may not may not have asked that question. So, you know, just being able to be open to the fact that you don't know everything and there are people around you who do, who can, you can help and they can help you vice versa. Yeah. Really, really smart and great perspective. I love the, uh, the humble, no ego approach, right? You can learn from anyone at any time. And we've had enough leaders on this show to know that the best of the best do it. The best of the best know that great ideas and great thoughts and great inspiration can come from anybody, whether it's somebody you work next to, above you, below you, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, moving on to our last of the five questions, the one we've asked every guest on every season of the Ramp podcast. If you could go back in time, now that you have the benefit of hindsight, what advice would you give yourself as you were entering in your career and why? Yeah, you know, I think I've had like... <laughs> four different like versions of this answer that's been, that have been percolating in my mind. So I'm going to go with kind of where my gut feel is right now. And that's, I would be kinder to myself. We hear this word kind empathy, you know, you talk, we, these are like obviously not new terms, but they definitely have become more relevant in the business world over the last, you know, several years. I was really hard on myself for a long time. I think, you know, it's obviously part of probably why I am where I am, holding myself accountable to high standards, excellence, you know, results don't take less than 150% of plan, you know, those, like those types of things, those goals that I had for myself and like my need to like clinch onto them so hard and not let go and get there at any cost, whether it's the cost of, you know, personally, like around my physical health and the stress. And I think that if I were to go back and do it again, I would probably do so with a lighter touch and a lighter, lighter sort of look at myself. 
I'd probably offer myself a little more compassion and kindness and empathy. And, you know, I think that you've got to temper that. Like you certainly don't want to get complacent and comfortable, but at the same time, you, I think you need to understand, you know, hey, I've been working 60, 70 hour weeks and I'm really tired and I'm burnt out and I need to take a little bit of time off and feeling like that's okay to do and to fully disconnect versus being on your phone all day long as you're laying on, you know, on a beach chair in Hawaii, but you're on your phone the whole time working. Those are, I think I would, I would be kinder. And those are some of the things I would do. I'd actually would have taken true vacations and <laughs> taken a little bit better care of myself, you know, cause I think at the end of the day, this whole sport of sales is a marathon. It's not a sprint, although it feels like a sprint a lot, you know, especially at the end of the quarter, end of the month, depending on how your company tracks. And, but you, you do have to take the time out to take a little break and, and be kind to yourself. Yeah. It's great advice. It's great advice. And uh, I mean, I was the same way early in my career, probably to some extent now, if you ask my wife, but yeah, I, I am, I am, uh, I definitely could use some and definitely have the times needed to be a little more kind to myself. And I think there is that like, there's probably a, it's <laughs> probably a high correlation between folks who really want to achieve and folks who are very, you know, specific in their self-criticism, but it is not always the most productive or not the most productive way to treat yourself. You know, you're on a journey and it's okay to take time and enjoy that part of the journey versus yeah. always wanting to get better, do more, you know, cram as much info as you possibly can in. There's a lot of this, uh, yeah, you just, you, you really just have to enjoy the ride a little bit more. And I think that will benefit, you know, you, it'll, it'll end in a better place. And from what I've realized over my career is you'll end up doing what you want to do because folks who are goal oriented and really drive hard naturally are inclined to, to, to hit that goal. But, but it's the, how you get there that's yeah. important and how is, you know, you really do have to be mindful of self-care and, and yourself and what you're thinking and feeling and how it's impacting yourself and others. Absolutely. It's okay to take the scenic route sometimes is the way I would yes. say that. Yes, yes, yes. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, this has been a really, really good discussion. And I want to obviously give you the opportunity to have some of our folks reach out to you, but where can folks find you? Yeah, absolutely. Zendesk is hiring. I'd uh, love to hear from you. We've got, we have opportunity on several of our teams. If it's not my team, we have an SMB as well as a commercial team here. So you can find me on LinkedIn and I'm Marilee B, M-A-R-I-L-E-E, -E, bear, B, like bear, the animal. Super easy. There's only one of me out there. So find me, hit me up. I'd love to chat and if you have, you know, questions, anything I'm here. Well, Marilee, this has been a great discussion. I know our audience is going to absolutely love your guidance, your wisdom, the career-specific strategies and tactics on how to get better in their own careers and in their lives. So thank you so much. It's been a true, true honor having you on the Rent Podcast. Thanks, Danny. It was a lot of fun and have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to The Ramped Podcast. To access our show notes, The Ramped platform, or to become a corporate partner, visit www.rampedcareers.com or email us at sales at rampedcareers.com. This podcast is brought to you by Ramped. Ramped is on a mission to democratize job access through learning and career discovery. Until next time.